In this episode, I answer the question of the month of November and propose a new question of the month for December. I also celebrate Harry Styles as he wears a dress on the cover of Vogue, which is my yas of the week. Kirsten talks COVID fashion in Kirsten's Corner. And Sierra divulges more information about her transition by talking about different HRT medication options in this week's Sierra Says. This is episode 76. So, you guys ready? Yes! Yes, yes, yes! Yes, 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 yes! Cross Yes Podcast. Which is Elm here so. Yes! Yes! Yes, 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 yes! Yes, yes, yes. Welcome to the Cross Yes Podcast. The podcast that still says yas to everything related to cross-dressing, sexuality, and gender. My name is Giselle Mirasol, cross-dressing host, trans advocate, and your friendly nurse neighbor. If you want to learn more about this podcast and check out behind-the-scenes stuff, check out our website www.crossyaspodcast.com. And if you want to support us, check out patreon.com forward slash crossyas. That's patreon.com forward slash c-r-o-s-s. Y-A-A-S. There you'll find bonus content and extras that you'll love. And finally, if you have a story you want to share because it's cross-dressing, sexuality, and or gender related, and you're wondering if you should share that story with someone, well, you know me and you know the podcast. The answer to your burning question is allowed. Frickin' yes! Email me, Giselle at crossyaspodcast.com, tweet me at crossyas, or DM me on Instagram at crossyaspodcast can't wait to hear from you. It's December, everyone, and I'm sorry for the lack of an episode this past Wednesday. Been pretty busy and tired from work because I cared for a COVID patient at work, which I'm telling you, everyone, it is not a disease you should mess with. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Typically, you associate someone with COVID as, I don't know, someone who's older or someone who's immunocompromised, but I had a patient who was a healthy young teenager who played basketball and did all the athletic stuff, but ooh, yikes. It took a huge toll on him. So I'm here again to remind you to wear a mask, wash your hands, and avoid large gatherings if you can. And please, if you're sick or been exposed to someone who has COVID-19, please get tested and self-isolate. You'll be doing the world and yourself a favor. Ask how you can help if you don't know where to start. Just do your part. Do your part. And as for the podcast, well, we're weeks away from Christmas, which means... It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's going to be a great month as I have lots of stuff planned for the podcast, but let's start off this episode and the December month with my... Yes! ...of the week. So while browsing the interwebs, I discovered this. Harry Styles is known for breaking down barriers in the world of fashion. Harry has officially made history as the very first solo male star on the cover of Vogue. Up until now, the Vogue cover has been reserved for women and some men who've occasionally appeared alongside of them for almost 130 years the magazine has been around. But Harry is the first man to go solo on the most coveted cover in fashion for the December 2020 issue. That's right, Harry Styles wore a dress on the cover of Vogue magazine and became the first ever born male to wear a dress during the magazine's 127 year run. Yes queen! Yes queen! Yes queen! Now, who's Harry Styles? Well, for those of you who don't know, he's the former teenage heartthrob pop star as he was one of the leading vocalists of the British boy band One Direction. Which, if you listened to the radio in the earlier part of this decade, you'd know some of their music. With their most famous song being, which I hate to admit would probably be the most appropriate theme song for this podcast entitled, That's What Makes You Beautiful. You know, the song that goes... Anyways, when One Direction disbanded or went on hiatus, Harry Styles went solo and so far has had a successful career releasing several pop hits including Sign of the Times, Adore You, and current radio smash hit Watermelon Sugar, which goes... Now Kirsten thinks he's an adult heartthrob as well as a teenage heartthrob back then, which I can see, he's kind of a good looking guy. You think he's so dreamy. I do. You do! Of course I do. I can tell it's so obvious. However, the guy portion seems to be a point of contention for some, as there are people who believe because he wears dresses, it makes him less of a man. Or at the very least, not enough of one. Wait, what? Candace Owens, the controversial black pro-Trump activist woman, 
tweeted this in response to Harry Styles as he wore a dress on the cover of Vogue. He said this, There is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. Bring back manly men. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. Okay, okay. Lots to digest here, but let's start off by saying... What the hell are you talking about? A lot of what she said makes absolutely no sense. Like, absolutely no sense at all. Like the steady feminization of our men? Marxism and manly men? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You sound insane right now. For those of you who don't know who Candace Owens is, well, good for you. You're probably better off not knowing who she is. Not because she's a bad person or, I don't know, she might be to some people. Or that, you know, she says stupid things. But in reality, she's an opportunist who will say the most outlandish stuff to grab people's attention. Regardless of who she's hurting. Which is probably why you're even hearing a tweet like this on this podcast. So... Yeah, she says stuff like that. And well, I mean, really, this tweet sums her up. She's way off her rocker with statements like this one, and she said things that are way worse than this, but I'd rather not go into any more detail regarding her, because, well, it's infuriating. You can look her up if you want to, but just know, you probably won't have a great time. The worst! She's the worst person in the world. So instead of attacking her, let's confront what was said. Which is kind of hard, because this tweet is all over the place. But I do need you to understand, everything she said in this is harmful and quite toxic. For example, let's begin with how she began her tweet by saying, A society cannot survive without strong men. Which, I guess I would agree, but what exactly is her definition of strong? Is she talking about brute strength from a physical standpoint? Because if so, well, many of the men I know aren't physically strong. Well, shoot, I mean, I myself can barely lift 30 pounds, but does this mean men like myself don't make a valuable contribution to society? Does this mean men who don't live up to being strong are useless? And what the hell are you really trying to say there, Candace? Like, really? I mean, I don't, I don't know what you're implying. And then, and then she talks about Marxism being taught to children, which, like, I don't know if any living child today has any idea who Karl Marx is, let alone an adult, but, I mean... For me, I, I even had to look up who Karl Marx is and what Marxism is just for the sake of this podcast, because uh, off the top of my head, I, I don't know what it is. Because when you hear the word Marxism, I guess it seems like, which might be what Candace Owens wants, is to scare you into associating men who wear dresses with something as extreme as Marxism. So, are you scared yet? But the worst part of her tweet, which is probably the most memorable, and it makes the entire tweet so disheartening, is the ending. Bring back manly men. Which suggests to me that, as a response to Harry Styles wearing a dress on the cover of Vogue, makes me believe that Candace Owens thinks that a man who wears a dress makes them less of a man. Now, the dress Harry Styles wore is a pretty dress, if you ask me. I mean, although the color isn't quite my vibe, but I don't know, I think it's cute nonetheless. The dress, by the way, was crafted by Gucci's Alessandra Michelle, and it's a frothy lace-trimmed creation paired with a double-breasted tuxedo jacket, if you guys don't look at the photo. But... Let's try and dissect what a manly man even is, okay? Seriously, like, when you hear the word manly man, what kind of images conjure to your mind, right? Like, is it a strong dude? Is it a man who's, I don't know, the cover of <laughs> Bounty or Brawn? Or is it Mr. Clean, like a big burly dude? Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean, Mr. Clean. I mean, what the hell really does a manly man even mean? Right, It may mean different things for you, it may mean different things for Candace Owens, but may mean a, a whole different slew of things, right? Again, what she does here, though, raises so many questions, like, in what she's implying. Like, does she honestly believe wearing a dress makes you less of a man? Like, all of a sudden when you wear a dress, it negates your manhood? Like, does she believe clothes define your masculinity or femininity and whether or not you're worth it to be called a man or a woman? We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're stuck! We suck! Like, is she suggesting that wearing a dress makes you weaker? As in, you actually lose strength by wearing a dress. And does that mean women are weaker because they're typically associated with wearing dresses? I mean, there's so many questions here that I don't know if she could even answer, let alone care to, but... 
but Marxism? Who the hell do you think you are? I mean... Hey! Shut up! I don't know. I'll give Candace Owens one thing that I agree for a society to function and to function well, it needs men. Men who are strong and that men are capable and that they're men who are willing to do what needs to be done to preserve a society where people can prosper. But a manly man? What the fuck is that? What is that? What the fuck is that? With saying bring back manly men, she implies, at least in my opinion, that along with the rest of her tweet, she thinks men who wear dresses become powerless. See, her statement in the bring back manly men is getting me all riled up because it's not only dangerous rhetoric, but it's also absolutely makes no sense because wearing a dress doesn't make you any less manly and it also doesn't necessarily make you more feminine. It's just a fucking dress. Yes, dresses are typically worn by women in the 21st century, and that means I guess you can associate femininity with wearing a dress. But questioning someone's manliness because they're wearing a dress? Get the fuck out of here! I mean, it's this classic sexist idea that because of the clothes a man wears, they're perceived as weaker, because they're feminine and they're not masculine enough, as if being manly is always a good thing. Because it's not. This... Like, what does that even mean? It's statements and tweets like this one that Candace Owens makes, and the ones that are, I don't know, Candace Owens-like. It just makes you seem so closed-minded. The idea or thought of a man wearing a dress is so far-fetched that there's no way they could still be a man. It's almost as if you're castrated the moment you put on any woman attire. And somehow, to Candace Owens, this is related to Marxism? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Seriously, Marxism? What? Look, maybe Candace Owens has a set idea on how a man is supposed to be, but I'm here to tell you, we've learned more about what men can do and what women can do as well. I also know that until we, and that goes for not just us as individuals, but we as a society, we should actually define what being a man, or being a woman for that matter, means for our own lives. Because if we don't, then we let people like Candace Owens define it for us. And this idea that we need to bring back manly men. Is fucking bullshit. Because we have manly men here now, and they're redefining what it means to be a man. And some of them are wearing dresses on the cover of fashion magazines like Harry Styles, and it's fucking awesome. I mean, his name is fucking Harry Styles. Is that his real name? I'm not sure. But I don't know what else to say, and I don't know exactly what it takes to be a man, but hey, I'll take a shot of defining what I believe a man should be. And not just a manly man, any man. For me, a man is a human being that, if they identify as a man, whether they were born as one or believe they are one now, is a person who respects other people's wishes, lives a life to help others, and is kind. Or, in other words, a man is any decent human being regardless of whatever they're wearing or how much physical strength they have or any other attributes you can judge them on, I don't know, be it clothes, stature, physical appearance, etc. And judging men based on these expectations of what a man is supposed to be is something that is detrimental to the state of what it is to be a man and really what it means to be human. People like Candace Owens who say men shouldn't be wearing dresses or that men need to be strong or men need to be this or they need to be that it's like, how about we stop putting men, or really anyone, into fucking boxes and having them to fit certain molds? How about we let men wear dresses if they choose to? How about we let men show signs of vulnerability and cry or be emotional without chastising them? And how about we have men who aren't necessarily strong still be valuable members of society? If people like Candace Owens can't grasp the idea that it's okay for a man to wear a dress, and that this has no effect on whether a man can still be a manly man, then maybe the problem isn't with people like Harry Styles, but instead, the problem might fall on you, especially if you are Candace Owens. Please don't continue the way she thinks. And if you think like her, stop it. Seriously. Because in all in all, in all of this, the bare bones, and to get to the heart of it, it's essentially a fucking dress. It's a piece of fabric at its most basic level. And if you can't comprehend that a man wearing a dress or any piece of fabric has absolutely nothing to do with their ability to be a man or their strength as a human being, either get with the times or perhaps get a mental well-being checkup. Because it's perfectly normal in today's society for men to wear dresses 
and it has nothing to do with how manly or unmanly they are, because Harry Styles is a man, and the first to wear a dress for the cover of Vogue magazine. That's it. Get fucking over it. And that's all I have to say about that. And I'll leave you with my yas of the week with what Harry Styles said about clothing in Vogue's December 2020 edition, where he was the cover. The title of the article is Playtime with Harry Styles, written by Hamish Bowles. This is what Styles had to say about his own evolution into his own fashion style and way of dress. He says this, You can never be overdressed. There's no such thing. The people that I looked up to in music, Prince and David Bowie and Elvis and Freddie Mercury and Elton John, they're such showmen. As a kid, it was completely mind-blowing. Now put on something that makes me feel really flamboyant, and I don't feel crazy wearing it. I think if you get something that you feel amazing in, it's like a superhero outfit. Clothes are there to have fun with, and experiment with, and play with. What's really exciting is that all of these lines are just kind of crumbling away. When you take away, there's clothes for men and there's clothes for women. Once you remove any barriers, obviously you open up the arena in which you can play. I'll go and shop sometimes and I just find myself looking at the women's clothes, thinking they're amazing. It's like anything. Anytime you're putting up barriers up in your own life, you're just limiting yourself. There's so much joy to be had in playing with clothes. I've never really thought too much about what it means. It just becomes the extended part of creating something. So yas to Harry Styles and yas to the end of putting up barriers in your own life. And really, this is a fuck you to Candace Owens like thinking. And any of you close-minded individuals who think that manly men's are ones that don't wear dresses, Yo, fuck you guys. Because Harry Styles, you're my yas of the week, and you keep doing what makes you awesome. And that was the... Yas! ...of the week! As for the rest of this episode, I'm going to answer the question of the month for November of what you, the Cross Yas listener, are thankful for, and I ask the new question of the month for December. You'll then hear Kirsten and I talk about COVID fashion in this week's Kirsten's Corner, and then you'll hear Sierra talk about the different medication options for HRT with regards to transitioning in everyone's favorite segment, Sierra Sets. Episode 76 is coming at you, so enjoy everyone. And now it's time for me to answer the question of the month. Okay, so for the question of the month, for the month of November, the question was, what are you, the Cross Yas listener, thankful for and why? And here are some answers. Steph Fredericks from Steph underscore dresses underscore up answered the question with this answer. I'm especially thankful for my supportive wife who encourages my creativity and allows me to progress, to progress and learn more about myself and why I like to dress. I attribute that to being honest with her upfront and being willing to answer any questions she has. I'm also thankful for my supportive friends and family that have also supported me, given me tips, and have been willing to sometimes meet Steph out and about so that I learn to feel more comfortable in public. Although this year I have had to slow that down, hopefully I'll get back out more soon. Thank you, Steph. That was a great answer. A new listener and a new person who's given me a shout out. Uh, Her name is Sasha. Um, She answers with this. Thank you so much. Oh my god, I really don't think I'd ever be able to have done this or gone this far without your assistance and your podcast. Recently, I told my therapist about my cross-dressing, and she asked me if I have an alternate name that I chose when I'm wearing my girl clothes. I told her that it was Sasha, and she asked me if I like her to call me that during our, our sessions or just every now and then. I told her it's fine to call me Sasha from now on, although I'll admit I got kind of excited and giddy when she started calling me that. Thank you, Sasha. That's a great answer. You're awesome. We have Megan. Again, shout out to Megan from episode 48. Who comes with this answer? She says, To answer your question of the month, I'm really thankful that I found you and your podcast. You truly have helped me a lot more than you could probably imagine. You've helped me accept parts of myself that I've always felt a lot of shame and guilt about. That still comes and goes a little, but I feel like I've come a long way since I first talked to you. You gave me validation. I've done a lot of things since that chat that I've never thought would happen. I'm in a much better place mentally now, that's for sure. Thank you, Megan. You're awesome. Let's see who else. We also have Sabrina, the sergeant from Germany, who answers the question of the month of November of what she's thankful for by saying, 
I am thankful for my fiance and how he is supportive of me in discovering myself. Thank you, Sabrina. Also a great answer. I'll have more about Sabrina's story in a future episode of the Cross Yas podcast. And unfortunately, I think that's it. I can't seem to find any of the other answers, and I'm sure I'm sorry if I didn't get to your answer. I will try better in the future. A little tired and lots of stuff I have to get to, but I love you all. You all are amazing listeners. Thank you for the answers to the question of the month for December. And because it's the end of the year, my new question of the month goes like this. What is the best thing to happen to you this year? 2020 has been quite shitty for everyone. And I don't want to focus on the negativity. I want to focus on the positivity on the podcast because, of course, it's the Cross Yas podcast, not the Cross Nah podcast. Uh, That's probably another podcast somewhere else that you can find, but we are not that here. So we're going to focus on the positives. And my question of the month, again, is what is the best thing to happen to you this year? I want to say for me, I haven't even answered my question of the month for November, but um, I did it with uh, Sierra when I talked about what I'm thankful for, and it's a lot of things. I'm thankful for you, the listener. I'm thankful for uh, having a house. I'm thankful for having great friends and family, but really it's the podcast. Um, all the wonderful people have reached out and said such uh, great things and how positive my influence has been on you all. You guys, you guys have been amazing. Uh, I'm just so happy to be able to do this. Yeah, I'm just really thankful. But yeah, the question of the month for December is the best thing that happened to you this year. Um, email me, Giselle at CrossYasPodcast.com. You can also uh, tweet me at CrossYas or send me a DM on Instagram at CrossYasPodcast. I love you guys. You helped me make uh, this podcast great. And I'm um, sorry again if I didn't have anything on Wednesday, but this is going to be, I'm going to release more things coming up. So I'm just trying to make up for it, but love you guys. Thank you. Um, email me, Giselle Cross Yas podcast, uh, with your answer to the question of the month. Yeah. Love you. Thanks guys. And now it's time for Kirsten's Corner. <laughs> In this week's Kirsten's Corner. Kirsten's Corner. Kirsten's Corner. Let's talk COVID fashion. Hey. This is what she wanted to talk about. I do want to talk about this. she's bought a lot of things during COVID. But How also, we don't have anywhere to go. How so. dare you? Okay, like, you're misconstruing. I did buy a lot of things, but they're she home did. homeware. Oh. Like, what? cozy vibes. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. So, like, like for instance, right now I'm wearing these new leggings that I got. Yeah. They're supposed to be, like, a Lululemon knockoff from Amazon. Mm. Ooh, they're called. Let me look it up. So yeah, that what's the brand so people can buy it? Amazon. She's looking it up, everybody. She's looking it up. Hold on, everybody. Hold on. Past her sexy books. Okay, relax about the sexy books, all right? They're colorful koala huh. women's high-waisted yoga pants, 7 8 lengths, length leggings with pockets. They have uh, 15,000 oh, wow. 15, plus ratings, four and a half stars. And on, they come in a bunch of different colors, and they range from sizes extra small to extra large i'm wearing an extra large and they're very like honestly when i got them i was like fuck these are tight and i got worried wait tight as in no (laughs) no 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 no. tight as in they're too small small. but like i put them on and they really like i don't know i've i've never worn lululemon because i i got it like that but do they feel i don't know what lululemon feels like yeah it feels really nice it's soft it's stretchy they're really stretchy is it water resistant like in oh Oh, like you mean like sweat proof yeah like sweat can we sweat through them? Uh, well, she's looking see. up. It's $29. They're almost sold out. They oh, only have... Turn inside out when washing. Whoops. Okay, remind me. I didn't do it yet. They are, they're 75% polyester, 25% spandex, and unfortunately, they only have mediums in camo. Okay. She's wearing a camo well, yeah, but... But they have like 20 have, different colors. Yeah. They're really cute. Um... Yeah, they're super comfortable. Like, I, I think I saw someone wearing them on TikTok, which is, of course, why I bought them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, I didn't buy them right away, okay? I saw that they were advertised on TikTok. So, homeware for COVID fashion, you're just looking oh, yeah, for yeah, more sorry. I didn't, comfortable clothes. Comfortable clothes. And so, like, also, so I'm wearing their, I'm wearing the um, these, like, these yoga pants, a t-shirt, and then earlier I was wearing, like, one of my fuzzy sweaters that I got from... Uh, Where? 
Old Navy, of course. Old Navy. But of course, like you go to Old Navy, there's a whole section on like work from home or like cozy at home. I, I have been waiting for it to be cold again because like uh-huh. I just love like cozy vibes. Um, but usually like I think COVID fashion for me is stuff that I would at least for these pants, I could wear these like when we go run errands after this because like I can just wear these. But also I think in COVID times, I don't care what I wear anymore. Uh-huh. Like... um. We've talked before about my makeup routine and like mm-hmm. my work makeup routine. And so now I still wear makeup every day, but I mostly do it to have like a semblance of normalcy. So like mm-hmm. I'll do my like skincare routine in the morning and then I just do my eyebrows and put on some mascara mm-hmm. so just so that I can have like a separation between like waking up and like working. But before, like if I were to go out, like leave the house to do something, I would like do maybe put on a little bit of more makeup and like Mm -hmm. I would maybe fix my hair or like I would never wear my hair up and I would wear like jeans or like whatever but now I feel like I'm always just wearing leggings or joggers sweatpants um or like depending like where we're going but like a loose type of pant it's all about comfort these days guys Mm -hmm. and like a sweater or a t-shirt so I feel like uh, my style has definitely changed. Part of it is because I'm sure I know I've gained weight since since Same. COVID, Same. and like some and like also like I lost weight last year, so I got rid of all my jeans, mm-hmm. and like I haven't been wearing jeans, so all of them have like sh- just like had been washed and not worn. So like everything's tight, man. Like it's, it's definitely a struggle, but um, I don't know. And it's like I think any opportunity where I can go out and like dress nice is fun. But for the most part, I feel like I'm 75% in, like, loungewear. The other thing is, you when you first started COVID and you went to work, you mm-hmm. would have so many Zoom meetings. Oh, yeah. Right? And you used to have to be like, oh, I have to do my face. I have to do Nah, this. see, but even now, I, I, I was putting makeup on, like, for my Zoom meetings before. And then now I don't anymore. Pe- people at work, like, really be like, oh, curse. <laughs> I think everybody does it now, but, like. Do what? Like, they don't care. Like, people just be looking the way they do. And sometimes people are, like, have makeup on, like, real makeup. I'm like, okay, guys. (laughs) I think it's, like, take it easy. You know? Yeah, it's too much. I think if I had to give, like, a nice presentation to, like, somebody that I don't normally work with, I would Mm -hmm. put a little bit more effort into, like, either what I'm wearing. Like, right now, I'm wearing a t shirt that has Bruno Mars and Cardi B on it. Mm -hmm. It's, like, one of my favorite shirts. And I would wear this for, like, a team meeting. But, like, if I had to give a presentation, I would. Or, like, something, like, meeting with other people I don't work with, I would wear something a little bit nicer. But, yeah, I don't know. You when know we what? do our when we do our podcast... Um, oh, lives. Lives, Popping which lives. we haven't done in a while. I will put on more makeup and, like, fix my hair and wear, like, a cooler shirt, but... Mm-hmm. Your hair, though? Yeah, sometimes my hair. Like, I would get, you know... Again, like, I think every... Op- there's not as many opportunities to, to f- like, want to dress up or, like... You know, and I'm sure as you guys all know, you know, like there's not as many opportunities to go out and do things. So anytime there is, I do like to put like a little bit of effort. Like we had, we got to go to a wedding, um, mm-hmm. like a social distance, uh, really small, like a small ceremony last week. It was outside. It was outside. We all yeah. Were it was really cool though. Um, I mean, that's the future of weddings now, I guess. But um, like we got to dress up and it was really nice. Like I wore, you know, wear nice clothes. And so I got to wear like a dress and I did my makeup and hair. I didn't get it done, but I did it myself. So that was really nice. It was nice to just kind of, it felt like old times, but. But the other thing too, is you've gotten your hair done during COVID. You've yeah. also got your nails done yes. during COVID. What are those experiences like um, with COVID? They've, the hair was deaf. Well, the hair was weird for a different situation. I got, I got my hair done in Los Alamitos and I either forgot this, but like Los Al is like a very um, conservative city. So there was like, this was the day after, this is the day after Biden. No, the day that Biden got uh, oh, named yeah. Yeah. Um, the president elect. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I, Eesh. Yeah, like there were a couple of a couple of the um of the hairstylists. I don't know. What, I can't think of the name. Yeah, stylists. Right? Silas, um, we're talking about how they're gonna commiserate about the the loss at at. <laughs> they want to go drink it. I was like, oh. You're getting your hair done, and you're like, they're like talking, and they said, oh, what are you doing tonight? Oh, we're yeah, gonna we're gonna commiserate. And I was like, oh. 
I was just like taken aback. And then like I had asked my stylist who I've been with since like 2014, like just, oh man, things are crazy, but glad it's over. And she, you know, she, this is, I didn't think about it till, till later. And she didn't really super agree with me, but she didn't disagree with me either. She kind of gave like a blanket, you know, things are tough right now. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I thought it really freaked me out. But then I also think maybe because of the people she works with, she doesn't want to talk about her political beliefs, which is good, I guess. Well, I mean, which is her choice. Right. right. But, well, man, when we left, there was like a Trump, like, uh, like a rally, not a rally, but like a corner where they had like the flags and like, we're like, oh, for Trump and people were honking. And I'm like, oh, gosh, they raised their fist in the air. It was wild. I could not believe it. But, um, yeah, I, so that, but the experience overall was okay. Like, I feel like there were not a lot of people inside, but, and there was like a, a chair between like, you know, each mm-hmm. station. So it felt a more distance. Um, I don't think I would go again for a while, mm-hmm. um, in, unless I have to, just because cases are rising. Mm-hmm. But, um, Nails also not as yeah, bad. Like you have like, the yeah. plexiglass in between you, and you know it's all right. Again, there's like a lot of people, so I would try to find a time that's just not busy. But you know, like my nails were getting out of control, and I just actually had a nail break, which kind of sucks. And I don't know, I don't know. Ah, things are crazy right now. Gold fashion, huh? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think I'd be doing it, doing anything super regularly. I also got like did all my waxing and stuff mm-hmm. um before what what did i do it for there was a reason i did it was it for the wedding no idea possibly i don't know but also just like my hair care my below hair Same. care situation was getting out of control so honestly i feel a lot better like i know it might have not been safe but I just needed like, one. It, of, yeah, needed a win. Yeah, I honestly needed a win, and we both have gotten tested twice um, in the last two months, and mm-hmm. we've both been negative. So that's always good, and I think we're definitely we talked about this, but we want to take advantage of the free testing in LA County. So yeah, so get tested, guys. If you stay can. safe, actually, is you know wash your hands, please wear your mask. Please. Yeah, uh, and that was Kirsten's corner. Kirsten's corner. <laughs> now time for everyone's favorite segment Sierra says hi everyone and welcome to another Sierra says titty pills titty skittles smart titties chiclets antihistamines memory mints lifesavers tit tacks breast mints feminines antibiotics transmission fluid and the notorious HRT all of these are listed in the McGill Journal of Law and Health as nicknames in the transgender community for hormone replacement therapy. Hormone replacement therapy, or HRT as it is commonly called, in addition to those many fun nicknames already mentioned, is simply a regimen of medication designed to set a person's sex hormone levels to match the level of their identified gender. So in most cases for trans women, that means setting up a hormone balance that matches those of cis women, And for trans men, that means striking a balance that roughly matches the testosterone levels of cis men. For many, but certainly not for all transgender people who plan on transitioning to one extent or another, hormone therapy is an important part of that journey, and many people will take HRT as a means of making their body's physical characteristics better match that of the gender with which they identify. And it's typically the case that over an extended period of time of taking hormone therapy, a person's body will exhibit physical changes that result in a person's body better matching the gender with which they identify. So this can be a very exciting thing for many people. And personally, you might have heard on a previous episode that I just started on hormone replacement therapy myself. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about the HRT process and especially the different forms with which you can take HRT if you're interested in doing so as a trans woman. I will talk in another segment coming up soon about the effects that a trans woman can expect to experience at different stages as a result of taking HRT. But in this particular episode, I'll be focusing more on the process of first getting a prescription for HRT and then the different forms that it can take. 
as this is an important part of the process, is really deciding which form is best for you if you feel that this is something that is going to be a part of your future. Note that I've done a lot of research on this, even though I've started only recently. This has really been backed up by kind of years in the background of just reading information about it and trying to educate myself. So first of all, if a person is interested in taking advantage of the consequences or the benefits of HRT, how does a person get started? Well, some people take a do-it-yourself or DIY approach, by the way, which is not recommended as regular monitoring of hormone levels is required in order to do things the right way and stay healthy. Most people will do so under the care of a physician. Typically, with any luck, you will have a physician who specifically is specializing in or aware of the latest research on transgender hormone replacement therapy. So how does that work? Can you just go up to any doctor and tell them that you want HRT and they just have to take your word for it and you move forward? Well, there are actually a couple of different ways that you can quote unquote qualify to get HRT. Typically, you need to have a doctor recognize that you have been experiencing gender dysphoria in one way or another. And there are two ways that this happens. First of all, the more traditional approach is that one would get the recommendation of a therapist. And this is an approach that has been criticized recently as it puts therapists in the role of gatekeeper in determining who can take advantage of medication that facilitates transition. Oftentimes too, the course of therapy that would be required before a letter of support would be written would be on the order of many months, if not even years. So it's understandable that this can be a roadblock for many people who otherwise just want access to gender-affirming care. So as a result of some of these limitations, a new model has come about called the informed consent model. This model recognizes that any person is capable of giving his or her informed consent as to the effects of hormone replacement therapy on the body, and therefore does not require any letter or endorsement from a therapist. The informed consent model is being promoted in the latest guidelines put forth by the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, and more and more organizations are moving toward informed consent as the model that is being used for defining when someone can be prescribed the medication used for HRT. Many organizations that commonly make HRT available, including Planned Parenthood, follow the informed consent model. So if you are interested in getting started with HRT, one of the easiest ways is to find an informed consent clinic in your area or to find a service that provides that via telehealth. And I'll talk about that in a little while. So what actually are the medications that are used in hormone replacement therapy? For people who are transitioning female to male, it often just involves taking testosterone. But for people transitioning male to female, which I'll mainly be talking about in this segment, given that that is kind of the focus of our podcast for the most part, it involves taking both estrogen as well as a medication called an anti-androgen. These two components are also sometimes accompanied by progestogens, but this is something with which there is a lot of disagreement in the medical community and not a lot of understanding yet. Regardless of these specifics, the key in any feminizing hormone therapy regimen is estrogen, and the form of estrogen prescribed in HRT is almost always one called estradiol. Estradiol is that magical substance that when taken over time, cause a person to experience essentially the effects of female puberty, even if you were assigned male at birth. It is normally taken in one of several different forms, and it's important to note that you will typically receive an initial form of taking estrogen when you do start HRT, but you can work with this over time and find the mode that works best for you. So let's go through these three different options, which are pills, patches, and then injections. Pills are the least expensive and the most common, and they are normally, instead of swallowing them, they're normally dissolved sublingually, meaning you would put them under your tongue and wait for them to dissolve for about 20 minutes. And this is typically done once or several times daily. You would typically let the pills dissolve sublingually instead of swallowing them because swallowing estrogen pills results in the estradiol first needing to be metabolized by the liver, which adds additional strain to the liver. And it's also understood that taking the estradiol pills in this fashion is the really the only mode of delivery that elevates risk of blood clots. So sublingual administration normally alleviates this challenge, and many people will choose to go the route of pills just because they are by far the least expensive. You're talking on the order of typically under $10 a month with just simply a coupon without even insurance to get that medication. 
So it's a very common method, and most of the time when someone gets started on HRT, this is the mode that they will choose. Patches are applied to the skin and essentially result in transdermal administration of estradiol. Patches are the most frequently used for trans women over 40 years of age. They are slightly more expensive than the pills. They can result in skin irritation, but they are shown to offer the lowest risk among the modes of delivery of blood clots, which is particularly a concern as uh, trans women age. So that's something that's worth considering when you're thinking about what mode you might want to administer your estradiol. The final mode that is most frequently used for male to female HRT would be injections. Injections tend to be the most expensive and they are the most expensive by a long shot, but they offer the fewest side effects. And there is also strong anecdotal understanding that injections often result in faster development of feminizing physical characteristics. So injections tend to be popular if someone is willing to foot the cost. There are several different types of injections that you would use. One is subcutaneous and the other is intramuscular. So these are some important terms because they do relate to how you actually and really how deep you will inject the estradiol. Subcutaneous injection uses a small needle and injects into adipose tissue below the skin, which is just fatty tissue that everyone has below, immediately below the outer layers of their skin. So you would have a small, short needle, typically about a couple hairs width. It's just very small compared to other needles that you might have seen for injections. And you would inject on a regular basis whatever would be prescribed by your doctor. Another mode of injection, which tends to be a little more common, is intramuscular. This involves injecting the estradiol into a muscle where the uh, estradiol can be easily absorbed and uh, picked up throughout the body. You typically see intramuscular injections into the thigh, but as a result of the fact that you are needing to descend into muscle tissue, you typically end up using a wider gauge needle and it has to penetrate significantly farther. So that is something to consider if you are squeamish at all about injections like I am. Even though I am nervous about injections and have been for quite some time, I am doing the intramuscular injections and it's working very well. The other thing to keep in mind with injections is whether you would want to use estradiol valerate versus estradiol cipionate or depoestradiol. There are a couple of key differences here. First of all, estradiol valerate is significantly less expensive, about half the price if not even a little bit lower than that, versus estradiol cipionate. But estradiol cipionate has a longer half-life and results in a more stable level of estrogen in the bloodstream after injection. So you really just want to think about what are your priorities? Are you trying to save money or are you willing to pay a little bit more to have a more stable estrogen level and to have that estrogen last a little bit longer in your blood and to deal with fewer spikes, which can sometimes result in just more emotional swings in, in terms of what a lot of people are saying. There are other modes of administration, such as transdermal gels, but they are far less frequently used for male to female hormone replacement therapy for many reasons. And you'll also occasionally see some people talking about herbal supplements that can be used, such as phytoestrogens that result in feminization. But given the research that is out there, it's pretty clear that the easiest way of doing this and the right way of doing this is to just take estradiol, which is the actual hormone that will be used to get the levels that you would want and get the feminization that you'd be going for if this is something you want to do. The other most common dimension of a male to female hormone replacement therapy regimen is an anti-androgen. Anti-androgens don't necessarily block the creation of testosterone, but what they do is they block the uptake of it, or they block the reception of testosterone or of DHT, depending on anti-androgenic drug you might be taking. In the US, the most common anti-androgen used in HRT is spironolactone. It is also used commonly as a blood pressure medication, and while it's very effective in blocking androgen reception, it has actually been cited as being potentially linked to limited breast development in mice. So for people who have a primary objective of breast development with HRT, doctors might advise against using spironolactone, at least in the first year or so, as some of that initial breast development is taking place. I was personally advised against it and am instead using an alternative. Some people will prefer antiandrogens like bicalutamide, despite a wider range of potential side effects. And sometimes you'll also see what are called DHT blockers used, and DHT is 
a synthesized testosterone that results in uh, when it is present and when it is taken up, it can result in things like male pattern baldness. And so drugs like finasteride can sometimes be used to inhibit the uptake of DHT, which can also have a feminizing effect when taken in conjunction with estradiol. Another common antiandrogen that is used most frequently in Europe but has not been approved by the Food and Drug Administration in the U.S. is ciprotorone. There are known to be some side effects there, hence the lack of FDA approval, but it is popular and seems to work very effectively for those who are taking it. So with all of that to keep in mind, you're probably wondering, how much does a person take? Like, what are the dosages and are there recipes for achieving certain outcomes? One thing I was absolutely shocked to discover as I learned more about HRT, attended lectures and seminars held by leading endocrinologists and gender researchers, I was shocked to discover exactly how imprecise the science of transgender medicine is right now and how understudied and misunderstood it can be. So a few points that I took away from all of this is that measured hormone levels are typically a person's best guide as to how doses should be adjusted. So typically what you will do is start out with a baseline of estrogen and an anti-androgen, if that's something you would choose to do. And then over time, you will just adjust based on how your body responds. There is no specific formula in terms of achieving certain outcomes as there has not been systematic peer-reviewed study. So it's, it seems imprecise, it seems frustrating that that's how it is, but that is absolutely how it is. It's very much something that you will just evaluate with regular blood tests in conjunction with a doctor and you might adjust your estradiol doses, you might adjust your antiandrogen, you might add progesterone if it's deemed to be helpful at some point. But it is also poorly understood how different forms of estradiol can influence the effects of transition. So if you are thinking about pills versus injections versus patches, there is a lot of kind of misunderstanding or uncertainty as to which approach is best, even though there is a lot of anecdotal evidence pointing in different directions. And one thing I've discovered as well is that many decisions about administration of HRT are made on the basis of limited research where it is available. So I mentioned a little bit earlier, there has been a study published implicating spironolactone in limiting breast development in mice. This is being latched onto as a factor that physicians are using to discourage, some physicians at least are using to discourage people who are starting on male-to-female hormone replacement therapy from using spironolactone if they have breast development as an objective, at least in the first year, as it is viewed as being a potential risk factor for limiting breast development and stunting that at least in the first year of HRT. So all of these studies, that the few studies that we find in the peer-reviewed literature, we kind of latch onto and draw whatever conclusions we can from that. One thing that is a caveat that I really strongly encourage you to look at carefully and something that I encourage you to think about when you find information online is that there are a lot of places online where you can go to find synthesis of existing research. You can go to websites with people who I truly believe have a lot of expertise on this. And you can go to subreddits on Reddit like MTFHRT and Ask MTFHRT. And I'm not necessarily skeptical of the research that the authors and contributors there are publishing, but it is important to note as an academic, I feel like I have to say this, their work is not peer-reviewed, and in most cases, those authors lack a conventional scientific research background, at least one that would be necessary for engaging in that level of medical research. So if you are looking at those kinds of resources, definitely look at them, they're useful, but take everything with a grain of salt if it's not peer-reviewed, because anything that passes scientific muster has to be peer-reviewed and it has to be repeatable. So if you want to start, first of all, do some research, talk to a physician and inform yourself and be prepared to advocate for yourself. It's certainly something I'd recommend that if you plan on starting HRT before you go into your first appointment, be ready to say which mode of administering estradiol you think will work best for you. Be prepared to advocate for yourself and speak up for what you want and hopefully you'll find a physician that listens to you. That's one place where I've been really lucky. As I've gotten started, I used a really, really amazing app-based informed consent healthcare service called Plume. And my doctor, who has built a career specializing on providing thoughtful care for transgender and intersex patients, really listened to me and prescribed a regimen that works for my objectives. So I'm very happy with that. I'm really excited to have started on this journey. 
And whether you are just curious about what HRT is like, or whether you are considering it for yourself at some point in the future, I hope what I've said is a little bit helpful. And that's how Sierra sees it. And finally, the miscellany. Yes! And that's it for this week, where you heard me um, kind of go off in my yas of the week. Um, you also heard me answer the question of the month for the month of November of what were you thankful for and proposing a new question of the month for December of what's the best thing that happened to you this year in the year of 2020. Um, you also heard Kirsten talk about COVID fashion um, during COVID. And then Sierra talked about different HRT medication options as she is transitioning herself. If you guys enjoyed that, this is going to be a special episode, kind of, um, because it's going to be a double feature after this episode. Stay tuned. You know, later today, we will have a re-release, not a re-release, but a new release of uh, Cross Yas Confessional, this time with Barbara. Um, Hope you guys enjoy that. Um, Stay tuned. It'll be up in a little bit, but uh, December 5th, it'll be up then. That is today. That is today. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. Um, she, we talk about so many interesting things. She is a cross-dresser of color with a story to tell. She has such great things um, to talk about, and I hope you guys enjoy that. If you have any feedback, please uh, check uh, check my email. Um, email me, uh, Giselle at crossyaspodcast.com. Um, check out our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash crossyas to support us because we wouldn't be here without your support. And financially, we need to stay afloat, I guess. So you guys are awesome. Love you all so much. I'm really thankful for you. Enjoy the rest of your week. And I'm going to try and be better with um, getting these episodes out more. Sorry, I've been real busy at work. COVID sucks. Please wear a mask. Please wash your hands. Please don't socially gather right now. I know it's hard, but please don't do it. Uh, We might have a vaccine out soon. So if that's available, please take it. And yeah, um, I'll be back. Uh, in a little bit with my uh, Cross Yas confessional and yeah that's it for this episode Uh, and as always keep it fresh stay blessed and remember you're gorgeous again guys I'm not here to diagnose or treat anything I'm just here to share my story have others come on the podcast to share their story to help you learn about the world of cross-dressing sexuality and gender a bit more Thank you.